Cool. So, Oscar. Pablo, how are you? I'm good, man. I haven't talked to you in ages. <laughs> it's been a minute. A long one, I'd say. Oh, for sure. Uh, just for the audience, do you want to give yourself a quick introduction? Um, yeah, sure. My name is Oscar. Um, from Venezuela. I am an English teacher currently living in the south of Spain in a place called Lucena. And that's that's pretty much it, I, I suppose, for now. Why why are why are you in Spain? I think it's a it's a very long story, but to to put <laughs> it in a few words, I always wanted to come to Europe. It was always like on the list. And it just happened to be that in my 30s, I made that happen. Before I came to Spain, I was living in Chile as an English teacher working there. And I and I saw the opportunity to come to Spain and give it a shot. And it worked out. My girlfriend helped me a bit. She's from Ireland. So I managed to get some like legal things worked out. Like not necessarily marriage, but kind of like a legal partnership saying right. that we've been a couple for a while and that helped me out get some legal papers here and keep teaching now in Spain. So you're teaching English? Yes. And how 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 is that? Like who 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 are you teaching? I I'm teaching different people in the sense that I'm I'm working right now with China. We have a time difference of 7 hours at the moment. So I I teach them in the morning. Uh, a few kids like between ages of 11 and 13 and i'm also teaching here in an academy which we were doing like uh face-to-face classes like in class but due to covid we passed it on to zoom so i just go to the academy set up the equipment and and teach them there i've learned a lot from that app and different skills and then i'm also teaching chile at night so I've, i've been working a lot man but mainly online teaching and adapting with different techniques due to COVID. Hold on. So you're teaching kids in Chile, uh, China, and Spain. And in Spain. That's right. Do you know any Chinese? I don't know anything about Chinese. I really don't. I'm learning about their culture, uh, but like words and stuff, no. Uh, but I, you don't need to know their, like, Let's say I was in Italy, any part of the world. You don't need to know that language to teach English. Uh, I took a how? course for that. How, how does that work? You got, you got to try to uh, just work yourself with body gestures, kind of show examples. You sometimes play around with like like gestures. You start like coming up with like stories of this happening, this happening, and then that's what taking up a hobby means. Like when you introduce phrasal verbs or something. And you just think of a story and you tell it. A lot of huh. examples. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was younger and I was learning English. It was it was it had to have been difficult for the teacher because if you don't know any English, how the hell do you start teaching them? I don't know, I'm just trying to think back. I it, part of it I think comes with motivation and when I was eight years old, that's when I moved to the U.S. from Venezuela. And I also uh, took up ESL classes. And, you know, I was I was learning. It wasn't easy. But simultaneously, I was growing up around, like, a neighborhood playing football with kids that were from all parts of the world. 
living there in Raleigh, speaking English. And then you also watch like, I don't know, at that point I was watching Sailor Moon. I was watching a little bit of Barney, Sesame Street, <laughs> like whatever, because I had a little sister there. Like if she was one at the time. So in that case, yeah. Yeah, it's one thing to surround yourself and learn the language, right? Because that makes it so much easier. Um, but man, I can't imagine just logging on and having to learn it that way. Yeah. No, there's some kids that are there it's just because their parents tell them to. So you could tell they're kind of bored. Especially in China, I noticed that these kids have like no free time. They they make them take up all these courses. They they make them do extra homework besides what the school gives them. And they're just so overwhelmed with work. You could just see how zonk they are. No energy. And it's just it's a pity. Because you could tell the kids that are being like giving all this homework they have no free time and then you can tell the kids that live a little and kind of like i remember my childhood being like i i used to have a lot of free time and yeah i had to study here and there but i definitely wasn't doing all these other extracurricular activities that didn't allow me to see my friends and and do different things right so you've lived in the u.s you've lived or now in spain you've lived in venezuela haven't you lived somewhere else in as Chile, well? In Chile. In Chile. How, how would you describe the cultural differences between all of those places? Oof, um, I think one of the things that I've noticed from Venezuela, different than, for instance, Chile, is maybe the warmth of the people. I think where people grow up where there it might be like colder climates uh, where you have four seasons and they, they have to deal with winter and stuff i feel like people are a bit surprisingly more distant compared to somebody that's born in the caribbean tropical weather and you know might work a little bit with salsa and stuff and and <laughs> and it's into dancing and touchy touchy feeling which is now completely changing thanks to covid in general right but but yeah there there there's there's a little bit of difference everywhere i've been but i've also managed to connect with people in my vibe luckily everywhere that i live i've always found people that i can still uh, identify myself with uh, open up with and get to learn from them and yeah there there there's always some differences i'd say but at the same it's time it's funny it's funny that you say that about the Four seasons versus, you know, hot and sunny all the time. Uh, my mom has a theory that, and I mean, God bless her soul. She's not racist, but she has a strong dislike of people that come from warmer climates. And she, <laughs> oh man, she basically says, look. If you live in a place where it gets cold, you have to be prepared. You have to uh, you have to basically know what to do to survive the winter. And so people from that climate tend to be more disciplined or more, I don't know, in her eyes, better people. As opposed to people who live, you know, year-round sunshine 
they're disorganized. They can do whatever they want. They have a carefree attitude. And she's like, no, that's not how you're supposed to be. But I'm like, man, I wish I could be like that. Yeah, to to an extent, there is a carefree attitude if you live in like a tropical weather. I mean, I, I have noticed that people are more laid back, relaxed, and and they're out in the in the plazas or in the squares. Just here in Spain, where I am right now, uh, the weather's is is fantastic. We're we're just about to enter winter in a few weeks, and we're still dealing with like, uh, oh yeah, we're doing Celsius over here, man. 18 degrees Celsius, uh, 25 degrees Celsius on a nice sunny day, and and people are out having their beers, their cañas, as they say, and very friendly. And and you could tell I have friends in in Norway, uh, in England, where or in Ireland, where you know right now it's raining, it's cold, it's miserable, and they're just all locked up in their houses. So I do think that also changes personalities, their mood. Their right. their desire to do things. Maybe they want to do different things. They don't want to go out and and drink and see other people. Maybe they just want to chill and like watch Netflix or something and 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 turn on the fireplace or something and have biscuits and tea or something. <laughs> things like that. That's funny. Uh, so how would you describe Lucena? You say uh, it's southern Spain. Yeah, southern Spain. It's full of olive trees all around. Because uh, that's basically where their big income comes, besides their services and their bars and stuff. It's a lot of fields, lots of hills, bit of mountains, uh, great weather all year round. I mean, yeah, it does get cold. You rarely see any any snow unless you see it like in the far ends of the mountains. And I would say that there's about 40, plus 40,000 people in this town, so... In that sense, it's still, they call it a city, but for me, it's still like a small town. Right. And and people know each other. You get, you kind of see people again and again, and you can wave to them, say hello. But they do stare at you a lot. That does happen to me. <laughs> you do get stare upon a lot. Why do they stare at you? Well, because uh, I have a different style. The, the, the clothes that I wear, uh, I guess also because I, I look different than the typical like spaniard in the south even my girlfriend she lives with me she's irish and and she would go out with her own style and you could tell like eyes are on us and sometimes you just see somebody looking at you and you just look back at them like yeah okay i see you looking at me and this is me looking (laughs) back at you what's going on man like open up a little bit like i mean not everybody's gonna look exactly like the rest of your your pueblo man or your town but isn't that kind of a syndrome of smaller towns yeah, that haven't, you know, I don't want to say progressed, but they've kind of stuck in their they're stuck in their ways a little bit, right? They are stuck in their ways, and uh, you do get to meet some people that are open minded. Like I, I feel like right, the new generation right. in general, thanks to social media and stuff, starting to open up more, wants to travel, wants to do all these things. Again, COVID comes in the middle of that, but you do get people that are definitely. Do you ever get it? Uh huh. Uh, sorry, I was going to ask, do, do you ever get uh, tourists in that area? Yeah, there are some tourists because we lived in uh, what used to be like an, a Jewish part of the history here. Uh, it was uh, run by Muslims and stuff. And Spain, I don't, I don't know much about the history, but there's a lot of like monuments. There's a castle nearby that, that is visited often by people Seville is nearby this is a very centric 
like town. Like you have Granada to the east, you have Seville to the west, and you have Malaga to the south and Cordoba to the north. We're like in the center of the best cities in the south of Spain. Well, that sounds pretty cool, man. I've only been to Madrid mm -hmm. and Toledo. Toledo, yeah, all right, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's about it, man. Madrid's I need nice. To, I, I need to explore uh, Europe, to be honest. It's a place that uh, it's definitely worth exploring. I have a lot of friends here that are from the U.S., man. They're called Auxiliares. That's that's the name here in Spanish. And they come in some kind of visa that the Spanish government grants them that allows them to, like, partly teach in schools, in public schools. So they come here for, like, a year or two. So there's actually two people from North Carolina that are living in this town. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, and there's a lot of uh, Americans, actually, that, that I've met in Spain. And, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know how this sounds to you, man, but don't really want to go back to the U.S. anytime soon. They're yeah, I mean, it. it's... And this goes back to the whole cultural differences, right? Like, that, that, that's partially why I asked you. is because when I went to Spain, it reminded me a little bit of Mexico in the way of how slow and relaxed the population oh, seemed to yeah, be for sure and nobody seemed to give a fuck <laughs> <laughs> and i mean i i love it right um i live in new york city and here i mean it's go 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 oh, go yeah and then you know i go even in mexico city where people are going 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 it's at a slow pace it's at a i'll show up when i need to show up and if not leave me alone type of mentality that, that is a, a big difference and i absolutely agree with you you could definitely tell that that that's a thing here in this culture with this culture and but i've i've actually learned to live with it and, and i enjoy it i i actually feel like i came from santiago chile i was living there for five years and it was pretty hectic there are buses traffic craziness rush hour I had to move from one place to another because I was like teaching on uh, classes to like the banks and stuff and the managers. And then I came to this part of Spain and I'm like, wow, this is kind of my vibe. Very chill. I, I like to go out and, and party and have the opportunity to socialize and see different people. But the all in all general lifestyle for me is, is quite comfortable. I enjoy it. No, that's awesome, man. I'm happy that you found a spot that you vibe with and get to do what you want to do, right? Um, what What's the economy like over there? Because when I visited, it seemed like, and again, this is a gross generalization, but the population seems to be a little bit older. The economy seems to be a little bit slower. Um, things just weren't happening. Did, is there like talk about the economy like is it, is it crashing is it okay is it well i think booming like no well booming we're far from booming i think spain <laughs> spain is is really been hit hard with the covid situation i i think spain is is the number one country right now in in europe that has been affected with the most cases partly because the amount of tourism the amount of people that come over to spain they have like connections from spain to go i don't know to germany or connections to go to england right, a lot of people right. come to madrid or barcelona and and the economy has been affected because they've had to do a lot of different lockdowns 
state of uh, alarms where right now we can't be out uh, this is called what do you call it when you're stuck uh, they have a toque de queda a curfew so yeah, we yeah. have a curfew at at 10 p.m we can't be outside of our houses for any means unless we're hmm. leaving some kind of job and we have to have a some kind of explanation that we left that job and then we can't be out until seven back again seven in the morning so we have a curfew and this is in the south of spain and this is affecting the businesses like restaurants bars uh, shopping malls all these businesses are being affected because they have to close at six at least in the southern region of spain so the economy is not very good at the moment however if you manage to have a job like i do luckily a online job that you can work from your home the salaries are pretty all right compared to the cost of living and what you actually spend when you're out and about having a coffee or some beers or something like that so that allows me to save money and live a decent life yeah it seems like for those fortunate enough mm -hmm. to work from home are the lucky ones right yeah and you know or or I'm, the I'm ones sure that you're... can do like any networking stuff anything that's online really mm -hmm. have the best best of both sides right now yeah that's for sure i you know i've said this a million times on this podcast but i'm grateful for the situation that i'm in where i can do everything from home and so even though every now and then i'll bitch about you know oh we're shutting down again you know can't go to the bars and it's like who cares right i i'm i'm in a good spot and there's a lot of people out there who are suffering yeah that's 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 something to think about for sure but that doesn't mean that it doesn't affect us mentally man i oh I, right right generally i feel like i'm a positive guy and i try to transmit that to to the people around me but i feel like in the last two weeks i've been quite affected mentally like i feel a bit trapped with with what's going on because our our curfew is one part but the other thing is we can't leave our actual town to other places so uh, i'm an hour away from the beach and i love going to the beach at least once a month or once every two months and right now that's not an option for me or i can't go to the mountains to do a hike in the city called granada that i love because we just can't leave lucena until until further notice that's wild man um and what and what about stimulus because i know in the u.s we're rich as fuck and they're being greedy like the government can just not get their shit together and help people out so since the beginning of covid they sent out people making less than a hundred thousand dollars uh twelve hundred dollars like a twelve hundred dollar check which is nothing like that's an insult yeah um what about in Spain? Are they doing anything over there? They, they have this thing called ERTE, which is the government and the, uh, the employer, the person that you work for, they ship in in order so you get 70% of what you were earning. So the government would do like 35% and the company would do 35% and you will get that. But it's been a bit crazy because it's been locked down since March. In summer, it opened up a bit, and then now we're dealing with the second wave and the consequences. And I have a friend in Madrid, uh, he's Venezuelan, and he was working at this bar, and he was supposed to get that, that ERTE, he was supposed to get the help, and he, he hasn't been paid properly, and he's been dealing with like side jobs here and there. He has to get by whichever way he can. So I feel like 
the stimulus thing, it it is it's helped some people, but not to the fullest. People are still struggling big time, especially if if your salary was like minimum salary and now you're getting below minimum salary, that that extra help. So it's it's definitely uh, a big blow for sure. Yeah, I wish I wish leaders of these countries, all of them would get their shit together and just, you know, hey, guess what? This year, no subsidies to oil, corn, whatever, right? Whatever industry cancel the subsidies. uh, We're going to go straight to the people and just give people their money. And even if it's only for a year or two, so be it. There's but, so, there's so much greed though, man, and like yeah. people in power. I feel like the, I mean, left side, right side. I look at the news and and I'm just like, this is a lesson for humanity. And I think it's opened up a lot of our eyes, and, and we can now like speak out and show the world through social media as uh, as one way of doing it that this is what's going on in this part of the world. This is what's going on here. These people need help. Let's try to help them. And and you can now see that it's not about left or right. It's just about like people in general. We just need to be more human. We need to to know who who is in less of a favor and who needs that extra hand compared to the people that are really well off and just having the time of their lives. And, and this might just be affecting their emotions. But I mean, they got food in the table. They got a, a roof over their heads. And they're good in that sense compared to other people. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, exactly what you just said is part of the reason I started this podcast is I want to get to know people's viewpoints and, and what they're doing and, and how they're surviving this crazy time. And and remember that it's not, I don't care if you voted for Trump or Hillary or Biden or whoever, right? At the end of the day, it's you and me yep. as a human, and we need to do good to each other. and. Look, the better my neighbor does, the better I do. So I don't want anyone suffering. And so this is what really ticks me off when I see the government just completely fail people. And um, And the people uh, that I know here from the States that that I told you, the auxiliares that are living here, mm -hmm. one of of their best things about Spain is that healthcare. Like I I have a friend... Well, you guys have socialized medicine, right? So nobody can go to the doctor, right? Nobody can go. Like, what do you mean by that? That's the argument here. If it's socialized medicine, Ah, ah, you'll never be able to see a doctor. You'll never get the medicine. You'll never do anything. Everyone just loses. Yeah, I have a friend who had a a pacemaker. I think those are the hard things. Mm -hmm. And and she did it here. She's, She's from North Carolina and she had it done here. And it was completely free, man. If she had been in the U.S., like she would have had to deal with uh, like big debts all the way. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I just, yeah. I mean, for whatever reason, people love insurance here. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'll never understand it. I have a buddy, uh, Robert Penner. He was on the podcast, and he's Canadian. And he was like, "Yeah, you guys need to get your shit together." Um, but then you know, I also had on my friend Tamika Williams. She works in the healthcare. Uh, service and i mean she also says hey you know what you may not get certain procedures for a long time and i think that's the that's that game of what's better right if if i need op you know surgery that isn't an emergency would i rather wait six months in a socialized you know medicine type of scenario 
or would I like to deal with insurance and possibly pay out of the ass to get it immediately, right? Um, but I also think about the people ahead of me, right? Um, it's not just about me, but also, like I said, if my neighbor is healthier, then every, everybody wins. So I, I and and if I, can, if Canada can do it pretty well, I mean I feel like <laughs> the U.S. can do it. You know, like what what did they do that's that different that the U.S. didn't do? I mean I feel like you guys also have to pay a lot of taxes, and and so do Canadians. And, right, right. And how does how does how does that money like how is that money used accordingly? Like, and I that's feel like the problem. They're right, doing it right. We're using that money to build our. To increase the size of our military exactly. every year. Exactly. And look, man, I'm all I'm pro military. I've had friends who have served, and yeah. my boss today he served, and I'm dude. Everybody in the military, you deserve all the pay raises and the bonuses and everything. But that's not where the money's going, right? Yeah. The money's going to these large corporations that are building equipment and stuff like that, and it's weapons and tanks. and then they sell it to other countries. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Oh my god, that is insanity. Um so you lived in Venezuela, and that is often cited as why the US should never ever go to an inch towards socialism. <laughs> yeah, I've I've gotten that before a lot. And I mean, to a certain extent, Spain is socialist and most of Europe, if not all of it, is socialist. Um Yeah, some of it I guess, yeah. Kind of like to, socialist to, ideas, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's also hard to have this discussion because then it's also, what do you mean by socialism? Right? Yeah, because socialism is, is a big, like, there's a big gap there. There's a big, it's a stretch. Right. right. People, people assume that socialism means the government comes into your house and tells you what you can own, what you can buy, where you can go to a doctor, mm-hmm. where, you know, the, the, the government just dictates everything. Yeah. How would you describe Venezuela in terms of quote unquote socialism, right? Do they come into your home and say you can only buy two pounds of rice? Or yeah, I I think that uh, socially socialism sounds like the ideal thing uh, for for me as a lifestyle. But also, who applies it correctly? In Venezuela, the idea came up more than twenty years ago, and to many people living with low income, not not well off. That idea seemed amazing that everybody had like an opportunity to to get up out from from the hood or from the ghettos and stuff. And hey, we're mm-hmm. we're gonna have more job opportunities. We don't have to worry about like health insurance and shit. And what turned out happening is Hugo Chavez and as as this is my perspective, because they're gonna be different Venezuelans telling you different things, man, for sure. Oh, but, absolutely. But Hugo Chavez, his idea was it seemed good. And and it seemed fair. It wasn't until he got in power where he started uh, nationalizing all these private companies that were in Venezuela, uh, like allowing like international business and all that, giving him income from all parts of the world. Because Venezuela is rich on oil, man. It's rich. Oh yeah. So rich. Oh yeah. Uh, the the people say that it's like rich enough to been able to ha- have been Dubai, for instance, or much better. But it so happens that once Chavez nationalized all these companies, the government started getting that money and they started using that money for themselves. So you could see that they just bought pieces of land and they just like 
own all these things to themselves and everything that they nationalize like even something so simple as like uh lactose milk and cheese and now it's part of the government they just abandon it they just oh this is now part of the government but instead of making it better or instead of allowing the people to work there and have even salaries and everybody gets a piece of the pie no they just kind of just left that company to rot and they just sucked out all the money out of it and just left it there for worse and so it is at the end how you describe it people do have like okay there's two bags of rice uh maybe some powder milk uh some flour and this is what you guys get for for the week in a way and the salary right now i believe is under eight dollars a month the minimum salary if not less so people have to live with that and of course the government would allow those prices because we're talking about in dollars the 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 currency in venezuela is bolivares so if if you did earn in bolivares it would allow you to buy some of those things that I told you, like a little bit of flour, a little bit of milk, a little bit of that. But at the end of the day, this is your life. You can't do anything else. You can't go, oh, I want like some Nutella or I, I want some bananas and some apples. And no, none of that is like something that you can afford unless you're earning money on the side through the black market, trying to get paid in dollars, because that's how people are trying to to survive in Venezuela. They're either trying to get dollars uh, whichever way they can and and then use that to either get out of the country or to just have what they need to to buy because at the end of the day the dollar or the euro is like the ultimate currency for the venezuelan but if you earn in bolivares you're pretty much uh fucked absolutely this is what it is 20 years later you know so after chavez's original idea yeah it's it's so interesting to look at Venezuela as a case study. Because, like you just said, if, if you are living in poverty and you are suffering every day, and then this guy, Hugo Chavez, says, hey, you know what? You also deserve a good meal. You also deserve a good job. Of course they're going to flock to him, right? Yeah. And I can only imagine in the beginning the good that came out of that. and. I remember reading a book uh, written by a journalist who used to live in Venezuela. And yeah, I mean, that was his perspective. Uh, And like you said, everybody has a different viewpoint of this, right? But he was like, yeah, I saw so many people get lifted out of poverty and started to get an education and started to get health care. And, you know, the beginning, I'm sure, was awesome for those people, right? Yeah. But man absolute power corrupts absolutely right yeah and like you said like once his crony friends are like oh shit we can do whatever we want start taking all the money right and and what happens is instead of helping the poor get out of poverty you're keeping them in poverty you're just like instead of educating them to get out of that situation you're kind of just educating them to idolize you as a politician and that's what chavez and nowadays maduro has done like they get like so much uh props for simon bolivar and what he did for south america Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. we ought to idolize him because he freed the people from the chains of the spanish and things like that and that's the kind of things that they're trying to brainwash to to the poor people in venezuela but why 
do you think the poor people right now are just crossing the border to Panama or to Colombia or just migrating on foot because they're starving? They they have no food to like feed a family of five, family of six. I mean, yeah, they're also that's another issue how like poor people uh, often have a lot of kids and then they have to deal with how to feed all the, them kids. But but it's to that point where people can no longer live a decent life and they need to find ways to get out of there. And the same thing happens with the refugees that come from uh, to Spain from like Africa or or the Middle East, like countries that are struggling with war and stuff. But but yeah, Venezuela has had it uh, very tough in the past few years, and and I, I I'm sometimes struggling to to just live like I don't know. It's hard to explain, Pablo. <laughs> no, it's 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 a real issue and. It's got to be painful to think that your home country is suffering so much. And I love my country, Pablo. I think it's a beautiful place. I would recommend it so much to anyone for tourism, the the beaches, the paradise, the mountains, Angel Falls. But right now, man, like what 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 can I say about my country besides the beautiful landscapes and nature that it has? I it, it used to be nice people too, but now we're scattered all over the world. Like I, I have friends from Venezuela in Madrid, in Barcelona, in Santiago, in Colombia. They're all over the place, man. And and this is what's happening uh, with Venezuelans, which in in a way is good because we're kind of educating ourselves. If we ever do get back our country, hopefully we'll be able to go back and kind of thrive and 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 give it everything we've learned from our our travels and our experiences. But that that might be a while from from the looks of it. Yeah, I had um, I had an Uber driver in Peru, so I went to Peru, and one of the Uber drivers that I had was uh, from Venezuela, mm-hmm. and he was telling me something very similar to what you just said in terms of if a company comes up and they start to make money, the government comes in, takes over it, and just lets it rot. Exactly. They do, they just come in, take the money, and they're like, "All right, you you can go now." Mm-hmm. And that money is not like, going back to the people; it's it's staying with them. Right, exactly. And so, I wouldn't call that socialism. I just call that Dictator. being a dick. Yeah. And <laughs> being dick, a dick, <laughs> a dictatorship. That's what I would call it in a way. Right. They're kind of like a dictatorship uh, disguised as socialist government. Exactly, exactly. They're like, oh, no, we're going to do this for the people. And then they just disappear. Exactly. And similar stuff like that happened in Mexico, too. Like every president will come in, you know, they start, you know, taking all the money. And then by the time they finish their presidency, they leave and go live somewhere else. Right. Because they're like, well, I got all the money I need. Um, see ya. And so that's why. And I don't know what it is about Latin American countries, man. They cannot get their shit together. We're so divided, Pablo. I've been having this conversation with a lot of my friends. Uh, We have so much potential. We have so many riches to take advantage of and like uh, offer opportunities of tourism, bringing people to like learn from us. But we're still so divided. I feel it's because it's it's relatively a new continent, or like like the Spanish left like less than two hundred and fifty years ago or something. So we're still getting our shit together but i don't know why it's taking so long now now in age now in days like (laughs) 
I think I, I I do believe that a lot of it has to deal with, um, and you know, not to say that the United States is evil or Europe is evil or anything like that, but a lot of companies and leaders from these countries come into those places and kind of take advantage, right? Yeah. Uh, let Let me say something about that uh, as an opinion, though. I feel I ha- I've had had this talk with other people that that say, hey, you know what? That's because the U.S. came and fucked it all up and did this and did that. And in a way, yes, that that's true. We've, we've known what the U.S. is capable of doing. But right now in Venezuela, for instance, there's so much hate or they're trying to get like people brainwashed to hate the U.S. Uh, as far as the government goes. But then they're still having like Russia and China like just excavate all their mines, take out all their goals, get some oil. Right. So if it's not if it's not the US, the big supreme power, then it's Russia, it's China, it's it's other countries. So people don't see that as well. Like it's it's all these countries that just have the power right now that can get their hands into these other countries that are underdeveloped and just suck at, suck them out dry, you know? So Something like yeah, that. I was going to say, in addition to that, is the governments of these countries, Mexico, Venezuela, Colombia, whatever, the governments are allowing these countries to come in and do as they wish. So it's not, you can't put all the blame on China or the U.S. It's, hey, dude, we voted for you, or whether you're a dictator or whatever it is, you're allowing these companies to just come in and wreck havoc, right? Yeah. And that and that's what Chavez promised to the people. He was just like, "Look, we're gonna cut cut ties with the U.S. Like we're gonna do this all from from our ground and up." And and at the end of the day, they just fucked up their country even worse. Yeah, it's it's weird. And I know we just voted Trump out, but I mean, he was preaching a lot of the same stuff that Hugo Chavez was yeah, preaching. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, and you'd be surprised. And it sounds it sounds good. <laughs> It sounds good, yeah. But uh, what I'm saying is Venezuelans right now, uh, a lot of them that had to leave the country really wanted Trump to win. They they really had hope for Trump because they, they in their mind, said Trump is the only one that can free them from the socialist government that they had. So they really were rooting for Trump. I wasn't because I, I honestly think that Trump, in my point of view, I don't know if we can get into politics a bit, but I think that although he may have some good ideas, as a president, he he just doesn't transmit good things. Uh, the way he communicates, <laughs> there's there's a lot of division in his talk, and I don't yeah. like division. I like more unity. And I've also like not caring about uh, global warming and all that stuff. For me, it's just how could you not? You know, I don't know. Those are my thoughts. No, I, no, I agree. Um, like I said, the the rhetoric of hey, you know what? We're gonna take care of America first. And we're going to take care of our people and we're going to create jobs here and we're going to build things here. And we don't want to be dependent on China or Brazil or anybody else. Right. It's America first. That type of rhetoric sounds pretty good. Right. Like, why wouldn't you take care of your own people? But then at the same time, if you look at the policies that he's passing, they're not pro-America. They're pro-corporations. Right. And so he would literally lie to people and say, oh, we're going to bring coal back. It's like, no, you're not. Coal is a dead industry. Everyone's shifting away from coal. And so what he would do is pass uh, or deregulate coal that would only just put miners in more harm. 
and it's not going to boost sales of coal, right? It's just going to make it cheaper for these companies to squeeze out the last few dollars that's still available in coal, right? Yeah. That's not pro-America. I, also, just... I also heard something from uh, Trevor Noah. I listened to him a lot, and he, he mentioned something about in these next two months, he's just causing havoc. He's just doing all these kind of crazy things to just leave the presidency to Biden like a disaster, where he's allowing Alaska private corporations to kind of like excavate and look for all this oil anywhere kind of like just giving it to the private sectors all this land so they could just look for oil and stuff like that so that's not in favor of the environment so i don't know these these kind of things that if we're not taking care of the environment at at this day how do you say that pablo at this day and age is that yeah, the word? day and age uh, i guess uh, i'm really bad with idioms yeah yeah, yeah. Whatever at this day called. and age if we're not taking care of the environment and we don't have somebody that cares about it that's in power that's just not someone that i would i would support because i mean we depend on this planet we need this planet to to continue and the planet eventually will continue but we won't be able to live in it if it keeps going the way it's going yeah and i think um and this is part of the reason that i'm not a big fan of joe biden is because he kind of he's pro you know environmental stuff but he's very also well let's not go too fast you know it's like (laughs) well shut up dude like are you kidding me let the faster we do it the more we benefit from it yeah not only environmentally but economically right you don't want china to be the first one to be all electric i want the u.s to be the one that's like electric cars for everybody whatever you know like yeah I want, I want, you know, and this is like my little Trump speech here, but I want America to be first, right? I want America to come get, come ahead of every other country because I live here. My family lives here. Yeah. I want what's best it's for your country, everybody man. here. Right. You know, if I lived in Mexico, you know, I'd be, I mean, I still get, I still yell at Mexico because they can't get their shit together. But, you know, again, there's no reason why we shouldn't be as aggressive as possible in creating new jobs and transforming our energy sector so that the environment wins the people win because more jobs and you know all these companies are going to make money off of it right it's not like it's not like tesla as a charity company no they're making fucking money right they are they are uh it's 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 ridiculous but when is that going to happen pablo is it going to be in our lifetime or is it going to be who knows when man that's the thing. Well, if we keep if we keep voting for people like Joe Biden or Trump, it'll not happen in our lifetime. Yeah, I, I thought. Um, I also thought, and this is from an external point of view because I'm not an American man. I'm 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 currently right now Colombian and soon to be Spanish. Uh, but an, as an external point of view, the the last options as politicians, like the two final options on the Democrat side and on the Republican side, have not been great, man. Like even before with Hillary and and Trump, and oh, now God. with Biden and Trump, like how does it get to this? I don't know where where you, you guys get your candidates from, man. I don't know, man. They literally go and look for the shittiest people, uh, and they're like, "All right, let, let's let's do this." And I don't know, man. I I think I think a lot of it is people are afraid of change, and yeah. rightfully so. Yeah. Um, because you never know what's ahead, right? Like the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. And I think that that's usually what leads to having a Hillary Clinton run for office or a Joe Biden presidency. Um, they just want something that's like slow and steady. And the Constitution and, that you guys had, that hasn't been changed either, right? 
That's been no, it hasn't been changed in forever, yeah. and I don't think we'll ever add another amendment because nobody can seem to agree right on yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, there's so many problems. Um, but at the same time, I'm grateful that I'm not, you know, poor in a in Mexico or poor in Bolivia or poor in Morocco. I'm I'm financially okay in the United States of America. And if you're financially okay in the United States of America, it's it's heaven. You can do whatever you want. It's it's heaven, but then you got the people that are not financially okay, right, Pablo? Like you got No, I mean, absolutely. You, you, you live in New York City, so you also got to see the dark side of of places, right? Around there. Without a doubt. And, and and so this is kind of this is why I get really mad at certain people when like the whole I don't want to call it cancel culture, but there's a whole movement, a very liberal movement. And I consider myself to be one of the most liberal people ever. Um, I want there to be socialized medicine for everybody. I don't want to see some guy in the subway who looks like he's about to lose his foot begging for a dollar. Yeah. Right. I don't want that. I want him to go to a doctor and I want him to get help and I want him to live a better life. Um, But the way that I expressed that is not through judging others or telling others that they are wrong, but rather I used to be head of a committee uh, at the company that I worked at a long time ago. I was head of the committee that worked with the nonprofit organizations in the city, and I would try to get as much talent and, and resources to those companies to those nonprofits that are helping the people right and i think and this is why you know i hate when people talk i'd rather people do go volunteer go get educated go do something that will help people don't tell me that you know oh it's not okay to laugh at x y and z look my sense of humor is my sense of humor don't judge it right yeah if you really think that it's bad that there's somebody out there suffering Go volunteer. Do something Go donate. About it. Go do something, right? If everybody did something, we would be in such a better situation. Yeah. And it's so easy to criticize. And is that what you call cancel culture? Like the people on, on like social yeah. media and stuff, like just yeah. talking trash and this and that, but nobody actually does anything. Exactly. And so it's kind of like, if you're not doing anything, then just shut up. And I, and I, and I know so many people that have, they try and ride their high horse, but I'm like, oh, well, who did you vote for last time? Oh, I didn't vote. And it's like, okay, see, from the very beginning, the very least you could do is vote for a candidate that you believe will make a change, right? That's right. the very minimal that you could ever do. And they're not even doing it. It's like, God. It's, cur- <laughs> it's curious that you said that because I, I do have some friends actually right now in, in the States that that told me they, they didn't want to vote for any of the parties because they didn't like any of the two candidates so what what happens in that situation if like what you said you didn't you don't really like biden but you don't really support like trump's ideas in some cases so like what do you do if you're in that situation what can you do for presidency it's a tough one i almost didn't vote for president um because i really don't like joe biden i don't think i think he's probably one of the worst candidates that were available and yet because of his popularity with Obama and I don't know, he's just that safe bet. Um, but I did end up voting for him. But again, it's, it, that's like at a macro level, right? Yeah. 
That's the presidency. Yeah, I mean, everybody lives in the community. And I, I interviewed my friend Caleb. He ran for office. And I used to go with him to a lot of these community meetings just to see what was going on in the neighborhood, right? And, I mean, dude, there's so much. We talk about corruption in Venezuela and Mexico and all sorts of shit. There's a shit ton of corruption right down the street in North <laughs> Carolina. Yeah. Um, I remember one meeting that we went to. The, the community had voted to use um, money to build and expand a road and to like do certain things. And I swear to God, we were in the meeting and they're like, oh, yeah, that project got delayed again. And they're like, dude, it's been like 15 years since they voted to use to allocate money to help their community. But because they're a poorer community, they're not wealthy. That's the easiest project to keep pushing right and then the nicer neighborhoods the people that are more well off their neighborhoods are expanding they're growing they're doing all this other stuff and it's like dude like that pisses me off right and so just knowing who's on your city council and and, and not necessarily knowing who they are and all this other stuff but when it comes to election time inform yourself hey who who, who do i think is actually going to try and do better for the neighborhood and um, and what Caleb was telling me was when he ran for city council, he didn't take money from all the real estate uh, companies because he was like, no, that's a conflict of interest. But then all of his other people he was running against, they were all taking the money. And so because they took the money, they had more advertisement dollars. They, they could spread their word and their message. And surprise, surprise, you know, the, Caleb, who didn't take the money, didn't win because it's just it's just. So many problems. But again, that's like the very least that you could do is vote. The most you could do is dedicate your life to, you know, helping those that are worse off. And then I think where most people should be is being aware, appreciating what you have and giving back to the community. Always, man. I'm always in that belief to give back. And I, I find ways to help out my family. And, and they're currently in Colombia, my core family, my parents and my sister. I have family in Venezuela, my grandmother, my uncles, my cousins, and whatever I can do to help out, because I know that I'm better off than they are, I, I happily do it. I'm always grateful for, for what I have in my life, uh, the opportunities I've been given. I'm, I'm thankful for the U.S. as well, because if I hadn't lived there, I, I wouldn't have gained this amount of uh, English, like the, the whole culture that i got from the u.s I, I brought some of that with me wherever else i traveled to and i used some of the good from it and i learned some of the good from other places too and i and i take a little bit of good from each side and and i'm really thankful that i've made it to to this point in my life there are no regrets so far uh, of the decisions that i've made and i know venezuela is going through a tough time uh, it's a pity but I know that I can help out at least my core family and, and the people that I care about and love. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that you're in a good spot and, and you're in Spain teaching English. I remember, I think one of the last times we ever hung out was at a party, either during high school or right after high school. I don't remember what, when it was, but yeah, it, I think that was the last time I saw you and I was brand new to drinking, so I just had like one or two beers. I'm just like, wow, I'm yeah. cool. <laughs> you're cool man i don't i don't have that many like good memories of the u.s man 
but but that's basically because I wasn't in a in surrounded by that many good people, if I'm honest with you. But but I did I do remember we once had some kind of like food or something in Applebee's, man. I have that recollection <laughs> of some point. It's so funny that you bring up Applebee's because the my last uh my last friend that came on, he was he was talking about how some people we were talking about wealth and, and money and you know when you're poor you you aspire to eat at like applebee's right like oh i can go and i can afford a meal at applebee's <laughs> yeah but then once you become wealthier then you become too rich for applebee's right yeah. it's like oh i'm not going to go to applebee's who the fuck goes to applebee's that's crazy and it's funny that you're like yeah i think we went to applebee's it's like yeah that's when i was really poor <laughs> it's I, I don't even know what applebee's is looked as nowadays but i do remember that Back then, for me, Applebee's was a big thing, right? Yeah, exactly. I guess you could say. Exactly. In high school and all, looking at Applebee's, I even remember uh, as my family, Golden Corral. Oh, dude, I used to crush some Golden Corral. <laughs> that, that's what my parents would do. They would take us to Golden Corral and we'd be happy kids, just like stocking up on all this food. But uh, I, I mentioned that to like other friends of mine. They're like, dude, Golden Corral is like just cheap. And I'm trash like, yeah and, and trash but hey at that time for me it, it was, was just like gold it was just like wow i get to stock up this plate of mashed potato chicken and then salad with cheddar cheese and ranch all over it and then i get to go all out on dessert that was just heaven it was fantastic dude trust me i was all in on golden corral um <laughs> but now today i i look at golden corral as like man i would never take my children there <laughs> Things have changed, man. Things have changed. Yeah. No. Um, no. It sounds like you've you've grown. You've had a million experiences, and um, I'm I'm happy for you, dude. I know I keep saying that, but just just I can tell that you're in a good spot. Thanks, man. I, I feel like I am. I appreciate it. Um, but I do want to remind you one thing before I let you go. I remember in middle school, I think it was sixth grade. I think sixth or seventh, and. I think we had an arm wrestling competition. Arm wrestling, okay, yeah. Arm wrestling competition sounds in the like, class. Sounds like something I would do back in middle school, yeah. And I remember I beat you. All right. And I felt so cool. And I remember, <laughs> I, I strictly remember that you started working out. And <laughs> before the end of the year, you were like, yo, let's arm wrestle again. I'm like, okay. Like, I don't give a shit. And then you beat my ass. <laughs> Uh, and I'm like, well, damn, I lost. Oh, well. But, I mean, the fact that you you look to improve yourself is like, damn, even at a young age, you were trying to improve yourself. I haven't. I just started trying to improve myself like six months ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's a good uh, memory you had there, man. But uh, definitely now this year, 2020, a lot of us are trying to find ways not just to improve, but just to carry on our lives in, in a good mood, in a good state of mind. And I try to find ways to motivate people. But sometimes, and my girlfriend has told me about this, I care so much about the people around me and I want people to try to be happy and move on. But I, I overlook my myself, man. And, mm. and, I, and I need to work on that because this year has taken a bit of a toll mentally and, and it can affect people. And it's okay to feel like sad. It's okay to feel down. But sometimes we really got to focus on, on our feelings and our health and try to find ways to, to boost that up and, and take care of it, man. 
value our lives. For sure, dude. For sure. For sure. Um, Oscar, thank you so much for taking the time and for the um, the candid conversation. And it's amazing catching up with you, man. Yeah, man, it is. It's good to hear from you. Thanks for having me. And I look forward to having the opportunity to talk again, not just on this podcast, but other type of communication. Yeah, for sure. System. I'll see if I can sneak out of New York and go to Spain. And, and Feel free to come by anytime, man. I'll, I'll, br- I'll try not to bring the COVID. <laughs> Don't bring the COVID. Well, right now, Spain's the one that could bring the COVID anywhere too, man. Don't don't think yeah. it's just the U.S. Spain's also pretty tough. But yeah, feel free to come by, man. Hit me up and uh, it'd be good to catch up in person. Yeah, we'll stay in touch and uh, I'm sure we'll be back on the podcast sooner or later. Thank you, Pablo. All right. Talk to you later, man. Take care. <laughs>